Today, we're going to find out if Dave Ramsey knows what he's talking about when he gives advice about buying small businesses. I'm David C. Barnett, and you're tuned in to Small Business and Dealmaking, the podcast, YouTube channel, and blog where I talk about buying, selling, financing, and managing small and medium-sized businesses while controlling risk. So if you're looking to take control of your future through buying a business one day, or if you already own a business and you're looking to grow or exit, you've come to the right place. I talk about interesting things, I talk to interesting people, and I answer your questions every week right here. So be sure to hit like and be sure to hit subscribe, and let's get to it. Are you thinking of growing your business or beginning a journey into entrepreneurship? Take a shortcut to success by buying an existing and profitable business the right way. Visit businessbuyeradvantage.com and learn more about my online training, group coaching, and consulting services designed to help you win. All right, so I got a fantastic uh, email sent in to me by a viewer named Paul who was watching some uh, Dave Ramsey videos. And, and for those of you who don't know, Dave Ramsey is a, a well-known uh, author who talks a lot about personal finance and talks about managing debt, uh, methods of getting out of debt. Um, I believe the the debt snowball methodology is is his. It could be. I, I know it's attributed to him quite often. Uh, and he's been in this space for a very long time. He's got a very large audience. And so uh, one of you uh, were, were watching his videos when he was giving advice about buying an existing small business. And there were some things in Dave's video that didn't quite sound right to this viewer. So let me let me share and um, and we'll take a peek at uh, at this. So, you know, the viewer wrote in, his name is Paul. He says, uh, hey, Dave, what do you think of Dave, Dave Ramsey's information regarding this video? And he puts the video here and we'll put a link to it here as well and down in the notes for you guys. Um, and he says, while I agree that the business discussed isn't worth much or maybe anything, what he says about small business purchase seems wrong. He mentions it's based on the net profit and that it is either four or five times multiple at 536 in the video. So and we're going to watch a few clips of this video. It seems strange. Why can't it be a multiple of 1.1 or 1.5, for example? Also, this is only a component of overall value of the business, right? He doesn't mention the goodwill, the balance sheet, cash flow, as well as captive market as well. It's my is it my opinion, or it seems that Dave Ramsey doesn't know other the other factors that make up a valuation for a small business. I've got two questions. What are your thoughts here and what other facts might be missing? Uh, might I be missing? Thanks for your help with this, Paul. So th thank you very much, Paul. This is a, a fantastic uh, email because, uh, and we're all going to learn quite a bit here today. Uh, I've watched uh, Dave Ramsey's video now three or four times, and I made some notes that I'm going to flow through here. And we're going to watch a couple of clips of the video. And so uh, I'm going to stop presenting that, and uh, I'm going to present, uh, and I got to make sure I do this correctly so you guys can hear it. Um, okay. So, you know, here's the video. And, um, and so uh, I'm not going to play the whole thing, obviously, but I'm going to, I'm going to talk about this. So, so first of all, who is Dave Ramsey's typical audience? Uh, that's something we need to consider here because, uh, this, he is not, a content creator in the buy a small business space. He is a content creator in the general personal finance, personal debt management, uh, personal wealth planning sort of space, right? 
And there are plenty of people out there who are very critical of some of the stuff that Dave says. Uh, you know, channel sponsor Mark Willis uh, over at Lake Growth Financial uh, points this out quite often that he doesn't believe that Dave gives very good advice when it comes to life insurance, that there's a lot of topicality around life insurance that Dave seems to be unaware of. So so there are people out there who criticize Dave Ramsey and his content, but he's he's giving advice to a general audience and he's giving advice to people who I would say cannot be considered to be sophisticated business people uh, like all of you that watch this channel, right? Because if you're watching a channel about buying and selling businesses, then then you probably can't classify yourself as a general consumer. You obviously have an interest and you're developing your knowledge uh, about this particular topic area. So this video is for Dave's audience. It's not for my audience. So we have to keep that in mind. So, you know, in the beginning of this video, and I do encourage you to watch it, uh, Dave will start off, he'll ask some questions about the business around the one minute mark, he asks about net profit, uh, and then about one minute 25, he starts talking about income of the business and rate of return and why we buy uh, businesses is to make money. And he says, you know, if you're if you're not buying a business to make money, he, he uses the, you know, the H word that I love to use, which is hobby. Right. So you don't want to buy something that is then going to take up a bunch of your time and not give you any kind of rate of return. Um, he then gets into this whole idea about the age, the longevity of the business. Um, there is no value in that because if there was was value in the age, longevity, reputation, et cetera, of the business, then this would be generating extra profit. Right. So, you know, there are famous brand names out there. Um, Louis Vuitton, right? Louis Vuitton as a brand is a famous brand. It's been around for a long time. And they are able to, the operators of that business are able to leverage that brand name in order to get higher margins, higher profits from the products that they that they make, right? They're making uh, suitcases, luggage, handbags, et cetera. And they can sell them for a higher margin because of, of the, the work that they've done on that brand. It's not simply the fact that it's so many years old. You can't, and I've had so many people over the course of time say to me, my business has been around for 60 years. Uh, so therefore it's worth more. Well, no, not if you're not able to leverage the longevity of the business or that history into any kind of greater margins, it doesn't make it worth anymore. So um, we, we then, Dave then gets into a conversation about rate of return on net profit and he talks about book value, revenue methods, et cetera. And this is where I want to I want to start playing a little bit of this stuff. So we're going to go here to 320. And I'm going to press play. And I'm going to stop it a little bit to comment as we go. And, and before I do, I want to put this up on the screen. Um, uh, so this is, is uh, the concept of fair use. So fair use principles under Section 107 of the Copyright Act in the United States allow the unlicensed use of copyrighted materials for fair use purposes, such as commentary, criticism, teaching, and news reporting without the permission from or compensation to the original owner of the copywriting materials. So Dave, you know, uh, Dave Ramsey, I'm talking to you directly. Uh, when you watch this video, because I know you must be a part of this audience, um, please uh, take that into account before, uh, you know, making a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, fuss over me playing this clip. So here, let's uh, let's listen to what Dave has to say. We have people that owe us $30,000. We have inventory we could sell off that's worth $15,000. We've got a bunch of used office. Sorry, I put it to the wrong place. I want it to be at two minutes and 30 seconds. 
There we go. You know, some real estate. That's, and, a, yeah, and that's, down, that's a different question than down the road. So here's mm-hmm. the thing. Businesses have value as a multiple. There's three ways people value businesses, particularly small businesses. Okay. You're saying three right. ways. It's a multiple of growth, a gross rent, or not gross rent multiplier. That's a real estate transaction. Um, a, a gross revenue multiplier. That is okay. very rarely used in small business because you have to have a very generically operating thing to where that where the gross revenue works. So when, when he says gross revenue multiplier, the, what you've heard me discuss in the past would be using a percentage of revenue methodology. That's what he's talking about here. And, and so um, what we do in that methodology is we look at the total gross revenue of the business and we multiply it by some factor that we get through research. And he's right. We don't typically use it as the only basis of measurement. I like to use it when I'm doing business valuations because it gives me an idea if the subject business I'm looking at is over or underperforming its peers, right? Uh, Because it can help us answer the simple question, should this business be making more money with the revenue that it has? Let me, uh, we're going to let Dave continue. The other thing you can do is you can value it based on a rate of return I want on the net profit, which is why I was asking you that a minute ago. And I'll come mm-hmm. back to that in a second. The th- so rate of return on the net profit. We're gonna we're gonna dig more deeply into what he's calling net profit. But what kind of return do I need from the cash flow available? And because he's got a lot of background and conversations about real estate, he will talk he mentions a lot in this video about cap rates and stuff like that. But when we talk about multipliers in the world of small business valuation, we are basically just looking at that same cap rate methodology, but we're flipping the way that it's expressed. Instead of looking at a percentage um, capitalization rate, we're, we're, we're flipping that over on its head and we're looking at what the cash flow multiplier would be. But it's essentially the same thing. So let's keep listening. Third way you can value a business is what's called book value. If I close it and sell off the stuff, okay, so book value would be we have people that owe us $30,000. We have inventory we could sell off that's worth $15,000. We've got a bunch of used office furniture that would bring $2,000. Those things added together, if we close the business and sell everything off, collect collect the payables, collect the receivables, Um, is the book value of the business. Now, I rarely ever on this channel use the term book value. And and let me explain why. Because um, book value creates the impression that we're looking at a corporate structure, a business as a going concern. So book value is often used when we discuss publicly traded companies, for example, because several of the items that uh, Dave just mentioned were part of the operating capital receivables, inventory, et cetera. And a lot of the time when we're looking at these very small business deals, we're considering asset transactions or asset purchases. And so oftentimes the way that operating capital is handled in those transactions is that it simply doesn't transfer. So things like receivables often may not transfer or we'll use a fixed figure for the amount of inventory that's transferring over. But what it does relate to that I use very often is this concept of liquidation value um, or replacement cost. And so sometimes when I'm looking at a business with a buyer, I'll say, what do we think the replacement cost of this business would be? Which creates a different picture in your head because then you're thinking, okay, if I bought the equipment and the furnishings based on what they're worth in their fair market value, then I contributed 
the operating capital components that I'm going to need in this business, inventory, money for receivables, et cetera, what would it then cost me to replace this? And so when he says book value, I think replacement cost value, okay? But what he's about to say here next is very, very important. Mm -hmm. You can't mix these three valuation methods. It's one or the other. Okay. okay. Right. You can't mix them up. And so I've made many videos in the past where I've talked about how people will do this. They'll they'll look at their cash flow. It's S, maybe it's SDE or EBITDA. They'll multiply it out, and then they'll say, "Well, this must represent the goodwill of the business." And then they'll start to add operating capital, the value of the machinery, etc. You can't. There's there's you either you have to follow one of the methodologies to its outcome. It's going to give you a value, and the different methodologies could give you very different values. Okay, uh, you can't mix them up. And then Dave's going to explain why this is critical. So what she paid to do the tenant improvements is what you were getting ready to tell me about inside mm -hmm. this uh, strip center or wherever you all are is it's irrelevant. Because the only book value those tenant improvements have is what they'll sell for today. And it's a bunch of used office cubes and some used uh, uh, medical equipment. Mm -hmm. Is worth what? 20 grand or something, right? Yeah, probably. Yeah, if that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. I mean, out of date x ray machine or whatever it is, right? So, mm -hmm. veterinarian wouldn't even buy it, you know. So, there you go. So, um, that's what. And, and so, what he's basically saying is that that equipment, um, it forms part of the value that the capitalization or or the other methodologies are going to give you because you need that equipment in order to make the business function. Now let's let's flip back over to um, present. Let me get back over to Paul's question again because I want to get back to some of the questions he was asking. All right. So in Paul's question, he was saying, um, he talks about the multiplier seeming strange. We haven't got to that part of the video yet. But he says also, this is only a component of the overall business value, right? He doesn't mention goodwill, the balance sheet, cash flow, as well as captive market. It is my opinion, Dave Ramsey doesn't know these other factors make up the valuation of a small business. So, so let's address that. Um, Dave Ramsey is talking about this stuff. And so the goodwill is a function of the difference between the market value of the cash flow and the value of the stuff. So to figure out what the goodwill of a business would be, we would figure out what is the value of the cash flow, what, what makes sense to pay for this business, and then subtract that replacement cost, right? And the difference would be the goodwill. So it's not that there's something called goodwill that we're going to add its value to our, our business value. We need to figure out the business value in order to figure out what the goodwill of that value is. Because goodwill is a component if the business's cash flow is worth more than its replacement cost. Okay. So, so that's the first thing. Um, the fact that it has a captive market means nothing, really. Um, you know, think of a small town that has one single taxi service. Uh, they have a monopoly, they have a captive market. It doesn't make one lick of difference in the valuation because if there's not enough people in that small town to make a lot of money in the taxi business, then the taxi business isn't worth a whole lot, okay? Um, and uh, what is the other thing here? You know, the cash flow does determine the value. 
the balance sheet, you know, doesn't really determine the value unless, okay, and I think this could be what Paul is getting at, unless you're talking about selling the shares of a company as a going concern, and the balance sheet contains extra components that are not necessarily required for the operation of the business. So, uh, and, and this is something that we talked about in a recent video where I discussed buying a business with its own, uh, using the business's own cash for a down payment. And we'll put a link to that one in here too. But um, if there is surplus of something, if there's surplus inventory, surplus receivables, surplus cash, et cetera, and you're and you're selling this business as an as an entity, and you're selling the shares with those surplus things, then those surplus things will be added to the value of the cash flow. It's true, okay. But Dave Ramsey's video here isn't getting into anywhere near that level of complexity. So the first part of Paul's question, though, was about the multiplier. So we're going to go check that out now because because he Paul, who watches my channel, is saying that. Dave is talking about a four or five time multiplier. Shouldn't the multiplier be 1.1 or 1 point to 1.5? And so again, we're going to tune into the video and we're going to find out exactly what Dave is saying and why maybe he's talking about this four or five times multiplier. So let me hit present. Oh, I got to hit stop, hit present. I got to do this correctly so that you guys can hear it. Um, okay. And I'm going to go now to 520. Okay. So um, let's hear what Dave has to say. You would, if I were in your shoes, is I would figure out what the net profits were after you are paid and after she is paid a basic office manager fee, not an owner's mm -hmm. fee. Okay. So he's talking about net profit after the current owner is paid a proper salary for the job that they're doing. So I, I never talk about net profit as a basis of cash flow in valuing businesses um, because business brokers, the, this industry doesn't operate under that metric. We use other notional levels of cash flow because we're using a more sophisticated methodology. Keep in mind, who is Dave's audience? It's general consumers, a lot of people that are tuning in to ask questions about debt, financing, should I take a you know student loan, that kind of stuff, right? So again, remember his audience. Now he's talking about net profit. Now he's talking about normalizing the net profit figure. He's going to get into this a little even more deeply here. Listen to his words carefully. Hey, but an office manager's fee to where if I came to North Carolina and I wanted to buy this and operate it, what would my net profit be? I would have to pay. Okay. So stop. So what did he say? He said, if I came up from Nashville to North Carolina and I bought this business and I paid you to operate it, what would my net profit be? He's not talking about SDE. He's not talking about EBITDA. He's not talking about normalized EBITDA. What he just described there, how much money would flow to him in Tennessee He's discussing free cash flow. So he's talking about a free cash flow multiplier, right? And so, so this is why listening to precise words is so important. A, you know, both you and her to run the thing today, right? Right. Okay. And so what's the net profit after those positions are filled 
and that net profit times four or five. So, um, again, I don't ever talk about net profit as a cash flow multiplier. And so I'm always talking about SDE. So if this caller had called me, I would be like, okay, this is a service business without a lot in the way of capital assets. So likely we're talking about an SDE multiplier of like 1.8 to 2 is what I would guess. Okay. So in this example, Dave's going to talk numbers here and, and then I'm going to translate this into the world of SDE. Okay. Is your, is your actual valuation four means you're getting a 20% rate of return on my money. When I go back to Nashville, five means I'm getting or four means I'm getting a 25% rate of return. Five means I'm getting a 20% rate of return. And, and so he just, he just demonstrated right there what I was talking about earlier, how you can take a cap rate or a rate of return and translate it into a multiplier just by flipping it over. It's the denominator versus numerator of the fraction. So a 25% rate of return is the same as a 4x multiplier. Okay, And so he's talking about what is my investment, what am I paying money for, and what is the money that I'm getting back out of it. If you need more clarity on this, um, I would recommend the video that I produced uh, a little while back called How to Spot Lies About ROI, Return on Investment, because it relates specifically to what we're talking about here. So that's called a capitalization methodology, and you're capping it based on that. Now, small business is a risk possible category for an investor, and so they're going. a venture capitalist is going to want more than a 25% rate of return. So... Okay. So what he's saying in the in the vernacular of our channel of, of this space is he's saying if your free cash flow is 50 grand, the business is worth 200. So he's talking about a 25 percent 25% free cash flow rate of return. Now let's translate that into the world of seller's discretionary earnings. Okay. So uh, if the free cash flow is 50 grand, what do I need to then back into that to get up to my SDE? Well, there's taxes, there's interest, if there is any interest expense to this owner, there's the fair market value of that owner manager salary or wage, right? So you can see here very quickly, we're going to get from 50,000 up to somewhere north of 100,000. So if it's, you know, let's say we get up to 110,000 would be the SDE of this business. So if I use my handy dandy calculator here and I go 200 divided by 110, I get 1.8. So by saying four times free cash flow is actually the same as 1.8 times SDE. And so to get back to Paul's question, uh, let me stop sharing. And I'm going to present this other thing again. Uh, so here we are back at, uh, back at the original email question. He says, um, he mentions that it's based on net profit and that it's either four or five times the multiple. It seems strange. Why can't it be a multiple of 1.1 or 1.5? So actually what we're learning here in examining this is, is Paul, um, by saying four to five times, he's actually saying that the business is worth about you know 1.8-ish times SDE. The problem here is you're confusing what is being multiplied. 
So, and this is probably one of the most common mistakes that I see everyone in the space making, right? Is that they will hear multiplier numbers and then they'll make assumptions about what number that multiplier applies to, right? So, and, and the most common mistake I see is when people do research or find out multiple uh, EBITDA multiples and apply them to SDE. You have to be so careful, so, so, so careful about where you do research, about where you find your numbers. You know, go watch the Dave Ramsey video because the, uh, as I've pointed out to you, a lot of the stuff that he's talking about, I'm in accordance with. I mean, I agree with what he's saying, but his language and the words he's using is very different from the language and the words we use over here. So someone who's a real novice at business, who watches the Dave Ramsey video and sees that businesses are worth four to five X this number, then they go meet a business broker who says, here's the SDE of the business. That, that person could erroneously apply to a four to five multiplier to the SDE, which would, make, which would be a horrendously gigantic mistake and that would lead to them overpaying for the business. And I would recommend that you go watch the video I made called Why SDE is Not Cash Flow, uh, because that's what that video is all about. It's one of my most popular videos. And a lot of the time of comments down below that video are people saying, Oh my God, this makes so much sense. I was so confused. I didn't understand. Like, because SDE is not money in your pocket. And that's what Dave is talking about. He's talking about multiplying money in your pocket, which is free cash flow. So, uh, Paul. Thanks, man, for sending this in, um, because I think that this is the biggest lesson I want you guys to take from this today, is paying precise, close attention to what is being said when you hear people talking. Because as, if you choose a certain industry, especially, if, this is the one case where I've seen this quite often. If you choose a specific industry, like if you say, I'm interested in landscaping, or I'm interested in pizzerias, or I'm interested in... Um, I don't know, steel erection or, or shipbuilding, who knows? You can get into the material and content about that industry. And you can hear industry experts talk about some kind of rule of thumb that is specific to that industry about the way they value businesses. And if you are not crystal clear as to what that rule of thumb applies to, and you try to take that rule of thumb and put it into your own work, then you can be making a huge mistake. This is the value of working with someone who is experienced in this whole business buy and sell space um, so that you don't make these kinds of mistakes. And that experience is the key thing. And I always say to people, you want to learn about the people that you're dealing with. So for example, don't always assume that because somebody is a business broker, for example, that they're actually an experienced professional in what they're doing. Um, one of the most common inquiries I've had recently is people who are dealing with business brokers who are putting a 3x SDE multiplier on everything. Um, and when, the, when my students or people from my audience question the brokers about this and say, that's really expensive, the average SDE multiplier is 2.2 or 2.3, the brokers are legitimately taken aback going, what do you mean? That's crazy. Businesses sell for 3x the traditional EBITDA multiplier for small businesses is 3X. 80% of business brokers 
are in this uh, very short-term tenured revolving door of the business broker industry. A lot of people come in, can't make it and leave and are being replaced by someone else who gets drawn in, attracted by the high, what appears to be high commission rates. And they come in and do it for a year, year and a half, and then they leave. So even if you're talking to someone who is a business broker, they, they still may not be an experienced, qualified person. You have to measure this and figure out who are they, do they know what they're talking about? And uh, at the end of the day, at the end of the day, make offers that make sense for you. At the end of this video, Dave goes on to describe what he would offer for this business. And he basically describes an earnout scenario where he says you should, you know, if he says that this business is worth $175,000, for example, that the buyer should put 75 down and then the other 100,000 should be based on an earnout of again he uses the word profits but he means free cash flow where if the free cash flow materializes if there is literally really a free cash flow after everyone's been paid a fair wage that that extra money should go to the seller until his $100,000 uh, balance is paid and he also describes why it's different to buy a business under this scenario rather than, say, taking an SBA loan. And he's actually got some pretty harsh words for acquisition financing because he talks about how people have to stick their neck out on the line, give personal guarantees, you know, the liens that go on your house, et cetera, especially for a very small little what appears to be a marginal business like this one and um, and really raises the alarm with this buyer about the down months or the tight cash flow months and how they could negatively impact this person and their experience. And all that stuff at the end of the video, I wholeheartedly concur with. And, and I think that in general, this was a really great video for the audience it was intended for, who 99% of which are never seriously going to look at buying a business, right? And for those of them who do get interested in this whole idea of buying a business after hearing what Dave has to say, well, Hopefully they make their way over and they join the conversation over here because this is what we get into in a little bit more sophisticated detail. But speaking of free cash flow and speaking of you know what businesses are worth, you really, you know, in order to make an offer on a business, you have to make sure that the offer you make is going to work for you, right? And that means using some tools. So I, I talk all the time about my business buyer advantage program. In Business Buyer Advantage, there is a tool that helps you analyze a business to figure out what a reasonable offer might be. I made a video specifically about this a couple of weeks ago, tools for making offers and analyzing businesses. But once you have that deal in place and you're in your due diligence process, you then have to make sure that all of your assumptions, in fact, are going to work out. And that means building a detailed forward-looking cash flow forecast probably for 36 months, where you take into account all of the seasonal um, seasonality, you take into account your financing expenses, you take into account uh, large CapEx items that you may have to address over the first three years. And you have to look out at, at this forecast and make sure that the offer you are presenting and the deal that you are going to get yourself into really does work. Because with, <laughs> with everything that you know, I coach you guys through on this channel, you can still end up offside and end up, to, to use Dave's words, in these um, down months 
where cash flow can be extremely tight. And you need to make sure that you have either a plan or the cash to get you through those down months, whether it's the ability to alter how much is being paid in a seller note, which is something that I've discussed a lot of times, or it's um, uh, you know savings that you can rely upon, or even a debt facility like a line of credit that you can rely upon. You need to be able to know what the future looks like when those down months are going to be. And you have to be able to show that to other people who might be helping you like a banker. And if you don't have the confidence to build that kind of thing, I suggest you head over to bizplanschool.com. That's B-I-Z planschool.com, where you can learn about my cash flow forecasting and business plan writing program. There's an a in-depth video there that talks about everything that I teach in that particular program. Uh, and it's got huge accolades and, uh, and kudos from people, even people that have done MBA programs that have said, wow, I wish I had learned this when I was in school. So that's the pitch for today. Uh, thank you again, Paul, for submitting this question. I thought it was a great one. I hope you all enjoyed the video. Please go over to Dave's channel. Give that video a like. It's got like 27,000 views and only 387 likes. So uh, give him a like. And um, hopefully he doesn't come over and uh, complain about the fact that I that I promoted him a little bit. Anyway, thanks, everyone. And uh, and we'll see you later. Talk to you soon. So how can you learn more about buying, selling, financing and managing small and medium sized businesses? Easy. Go over to my blog site, davidcbarnett.com, where you can learn more about me and how I work with my clients. You can learn more about my books and courses that I prepared for you. You can find out how to subscribe to my email list, the YouTube playlists, and more. There's literally hundreds of hours of content there, all for free, and I'd love for you to be my guest. Special thanks go to Mark Willis at Lake Growth Financial, today's video sponsor. Mark helps people better manage their personal and business finances through the bank on yourself insurance strategy. This is something I've done personally and I've seen others use it successfully for years. Go to newbankingsolution.com to find all the interviews I've done with Mark and learn more about the advantages of these programs. While there, sign up for a free consultation to learn what this solution might look like for you.